So this is Lauren Fiorelli, and I'm here uh, at the Greenwood Cemetery on March 6, 2016 with Alice Walsh uh, for the Brooklyn Public Library's Our Streets, Our Stories project. Um, and so, Alice, so what um, what borough did you first live in in Brooklyn? Oh, what, what neighborhood, sorry. Um, I, so I lived in Bay Ridge in the Fort Hamilton section of uh, Bay Ridge, and um, actually I lived on Dahlgren Place. Our address was uh, 218, and... Um, I was born in 1943, and uh, in 1960, um, uh, plans were drawn for the uh, building of the Verrazano Narrows Bridge. So it was at that point that, um, because of eminent domain, um, the government took our house and bought all the houses that were going to be part of the construction of the Verrazano Narrows bridge and, and the uh, approaching highways. And so so we moved, and we moved to uh, Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. Um, even though my father wanted to stay in the neighborhood, but uh, housing prices soared because uh, there was less housing stock available, you know, because all of the, so many homes were going to be torn down and so many people did want to stay in the area. And of course there wasn't enough and then, and then not affordable. So that's why we wound up uh, moving to, uh, to Bensonhurst, which was a completely different neighborhood. And, um, and actually Dahlgren Place, um, half, one side of the street was torn down and taken. And our house was right where the 92nd Street exit is now. But the other side is still standing. It's still there. So um, when I get off at the 92nd Street exit, I look across and I see the alleyway where I played handball <laughs> and where my best friend Mary Russo lived. And um, so it's very nostalgic, but of course it looks very different. What does it look like now? Well, it um, uh, busier, busier, you know, obviously much more traffic, uh, less quiet, you know, less greenery. Um, there were empty lots on our block that hadn't been developed for whatever reason, I don't know. So then um, that was also an opportunity to uh, for kids to play, play stickball. And um, there were quite a few Italian families living on the block. So the, the men um, would go to the corner and they'd play bocce ball and uh, the older men. And uh, so it was wonderful, you know, uh, you know, for a kid growing up. Um, and it was, it was a dead end because uh, Fort Hamilton, the fort, uh, backed us. And so um, we didn't get much car traffic other than automobile traffic uh, that uh, lived on the block. So, um, so we were able to ride our bikes without much interruption and, and uh, play on the street. And uh, I don't think that exists anymore. You know, very few places in Brooklyn, you know, have that. Um, so it was sad that we had to leave, and uh, but had nice memories, you know, of growing up during that time period. You know. And you were a teenager when you left. So when I had left? just graduated um, high school. I was a student at Fort Hamilton High School, and uh, my father wanted me to finish. So um, we didn't move out until September. Uh, but by September of 1960, but by by then. Um, most of the um, homes on, on the side of the street, our side of the street that were gonna be taken had been vacated and so they had already started demolition. So we were kind of standing in the middle of like a war zone, 
you know, our house was, yeah. Houses had already started going down around Yes, wars. yes. They, they already started the demolition. Mm -hmm. So it looked like a war zone, actually, on that side of the street. And, you know, sorry that, you know, we never took any photographs. Uh, should have had to do, we should have done that. Probably. During the demolition? During that. Just just kind of, you know, on a, for a historical point of view. But, to document yeah. the process? Yes, yeah. But we, but we didn't. I think it was just too painful for us. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. What was yeah. what was that like aside from just visually seeing that happen? What was it like? What did it feel like, or did it change your daily life in any way as this construction was, or deconstruction was happening? Yeah. No. No. We still. I mean, um, uh, in terms of you know walking you know to the subway or anything else, it, it, it that wasn't interfered with. But of course, neighbors had you know neighbors that we had had for years and years um, uh, left were gone, and um, and then there was a. Um, a commercial uh, section uh, at the top of the block, you know, stores that we, my, my parents shopped at regularly. So they were gone. So it, that part of it made it more difficult. They had to go shop elsewhere? Elsewhere, yeah, yeah, un until we actually moved ourselves. So, um, yeah, so so people, uh, you know, using the Verrazano Bridge now, you know, and the highways, the expressway, you know, have no sense of um, what it was like for those people. Uh, because when you look at the pathway, you know, you have to imagine that there were all houses there, you know, apartment houses, one or two family homes. and uh, But it was all working class, basically. And my father um, went to meetings that the um, uh, Bay Ridge, I think, Community Council or a community organization uh, had put together, you know, in protest and tried to stop it. I think the original, uh, and they suggested a plan uh, that the uh, highway would take advantage of the Bell Parkway rather than cut through the neighborhood as it does. And, of course, then that would affect the um, more affluent part of Bay Ridge, you know, to have all of, this, all of that traffic in that section. And so, therefore, um, th that wasn't going to work. And so this other alternative plan was the one that they went with right to displace the working class rather than those yes more yes wealthy people yeah yeah well because they're you know longshore road and beautiful magnificent homes on large pieces of property and yeah and um and so they they also had an influence on that how strong in terms of the path the, oh sorry yeah how strong was the protest in terms of like did it have any sort of did it seem to have any sort of power at all, or did it, would it seem like the project was was going to bulldoze through regardless? Well, Robert Moses was in charge of the plan, so I think that it was a done deal. Yeah, <laughs> and so I think that, uh, and Bay Ridge too, you know, attended and still is to some degree in a conservative um, neighborhood and not politically active, and I think that's really what activated and, and brought people together. Uh, uh, going forward was the fact that they felt that they needed to organize so they weren't successful in stopping this but then if other things came along um, the organization was in place because they had you know put people together people were put together drawn together for it and do you see that they've that they've built that stronger community power together over the years, over the years? yeah yeah over the years they had um they have yeah yeah so uh but since I live in Sunset Park, I'm not, you know, totally aware of, of other um, challenges that they've had to face. Um, but more recently, I would say, you know, housing challenges in terms of um, 
of, of um, renovations being done to uh, one or two family houses and turning them into multiple dwellings and, and, and doing it illegally. Um, so that's been an issue, I mean, not only in Bay Ridge, but in, in other neighborhoods in Brooklyn, since there's a housing shortage. Um, but the Bay Ridge Community Council, you know, that organized, you know, with this uh, Verrazano Bridge back in 1960, you know, they're an organization in place so that they're able to um, uh, protest, you know, uh, when they see these housing um, um, activities going on that are illegal. Yeah. Mm. So your family moved to Bensonhurst. So my father, yeah, my parents moved parents. to Bensonhurst, and then. Um, and did and you then, move with them, or were you going to? School oh no, I or? did. I did move with them, and then later on, though, when I got married, uh, my husband and I bought a, a brownstone in Sunset Park. Um, we we had fallen in love with that idea of brownstone renovation and old buildings, and um, couldn't really afford any other of the so-called brownstone neighborhoods, and and uh, realized that there were some nice row houses in uh, Sunset Park, which is actually where he grew up. And so we bought a house um, that we could afford, but that was a fixer-upper. So, um, so when, we, when we bought, we bought in 1973, 74, and, um, and then discovered that there were other couples like us, young couples like us, uh, who also moved in you know, because of the same reason. And so we formed an organization called the Sunset Park Restoration Committee. And so then we became active in terms of um, uh, networking, you know, and participated in what was then the Brooklyn Brownstone Fair. Once a year they had that and- um, Where was that? Uh, well, they would have that uh, uh, Brownstone Fair in downtown Brooklyn. And, and I think that the Brooklyn Union Gas Company, which is now National Grid, but um, they were um, behind that because uh, Brooklyn Union Gas had done Cinderella projects in uh, Park Slope because uh, they also, you know, were a, a key player in revitalizing uh, brownstone neighborhoods. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, if you, ha you have an appreciation for the history and then, of course, the architecture and the construction of those homes, you know, beautiful. They're beautiful homes and... Um, and so, uh, so that's what brought us together. And uh, so um, in terms of the Brownstone Fair, I think one year it was in the lobby of the Brooklyn Union Gas Company down on Court Street in Montague. And another year, wait, maybe it was in the auditorium of maybe St. Francis College or... Is it a fair that still happens? Or? No. <laughs> <laughs> maybe 10 years, you know, maybe it lasted 10 years. Uh, in the 70s, I'd say, in the 70s. And then as those uh, neighborhoods took off, you know, Park Slope took off, I think they um, felt that they didn't have to promote it anymore because it was promoting itself, you know. People, it had established itself. It had established itself, yeah, yeah. So And so in terms of Sunset Park, so the Restoration Committee, we uh, sponsored an annual house tour. We um, uh, I wrote a book called Sunset Park, A Time Remembered, that was based upon um, the construction of the Fourth Avenue subway. Um, and you wrote a book. Well, you, my you husband and I, but we had gotten, through the Restoration Committee, we had gotten a grant from the Brooklyn Educational and Cultural Alliance, which was an organization uh, that was funded, I think, through the state, through New York State Council of the Arts. And, um, 
So they had these grants that they gave to different Brooklyn neighborhoods to do projects like that. So, so we did this Sunset Park at Time Remembered. Um, the uh, Anchor Bank, um, uh, which was the local uh, savings bank, um, gave us a grant and, um, and a movie was made on the neighborhood. What's the movie called? Um, I guess Sunset Park. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it kind of was in conjunction with the book. And, uh, and that was like a 12, 15-minute movie, also to promote the neighborhood, you know, but also to give the history of the area. And, um, and then we did a, um, an educational project for the schools on Sunset Park history. So, um, so that the kid, kids, you know, who live in the neighborhood and go to school in neighborhood schools would have an understanding and appreciation of the neighborhood's history. So, so a lot of that took place in the late 70s, early 1980s. Did you have a sense of that history before you moved there, or did you really get invested in it once you bought this brownstone? And yeah, I no, I didn't. I didn't. I, I mean, I love history, you know, um, uh, on a personal level, but became more appreciative of of the neighborhood history after I moved in and did research. Yeah. Did you learn so. the history of your specific? Um, like street or block? Yeah, well, we did, you know, we, in terms of, uh, we went uh, through New York City um, records to find out, you know, ownership when the house was built and, and, um, and then also became involved with Greenwood because my husband's um, part of his family on the maternal side, um, he had heard was buried in Greenwood, uh, but, but had no records uh, of, of that. And um, so because this history, you know, we've got so, invested as you said you know in the history of the neighborhood so then he took it a step further and contacted greenwood you know to to get the history the possible history of that family plot and so and he was able successfully was able to do that and now it's part of the family uh his family you know i mean you know the family owns that plot now because he was able to prove uh, the de the descendancy and that he was a direct descendant of the original owner. Oh, so so since he proved that he didn't have to buy it, or anything, he didn't have he just to buy it. His current ownership, essentially. Yes, because he was a direct descendant. But I don't oh, think neat. that would ever have happened if we hadn't bought that house. <laughs> right, if you had lived somewhere else, you might not have become so interested. Yes. Yeah. Oh, neat. so it's amazing. So also learn some family history then. And learn some family history as well. Yeah. Did he learn anything about his specific family members in Brooklyn, like through that, or just? Well, yes, because because right because then he discovered that, um, you know, he went into the National Archive records and then found the ship's manifest in terms of so it was the Scotch Irish Protestant part of the family, and and they had come over in the early eighteen hundreds and then. Um, and they lived down where the Brooklyn Navy Yard is located and, and who fought in the Spanish-American War, or I, I don't remember the specifics of it now, but, um, but and, uh, and uh, was someone a superintendent of the Navy Yard? I just can't, I don't remember, but, but yeah, it was a history that he never knew and, uh, and was all uncovered because of this. Uh, moving into Sunset Park and buying the brownstone and becoming interested in, in the neighborhood history. And then, of course, we were also renovating the house at the same time and then had three daughters, you know, who we raised there. So, uh, so and, and for them, you know, it was a wonderful experience, um, I think, in retrospect, growing up in the neighborhood, uh, 
because it was very diverse and very accepting of all different kinds of people. And so I think that was a, a great life lesson for them. What other kind of people lived there? Oh, it's uh, our neighbors were um, um, folks from you know, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, uh, um, what, what some neighbors call Americans, meaning us. We were viewed as the Americans, you know, and, uh, um, and then there were some longtime residents that, that had been there uh, for, for 30, 40 years. Uh, in that neighborhood in that neighborhood yeah Italians there was a, you know a few Italians um, just a, a neighbor from Peru it, yeah just attracted uh, all kinds so you, you you know you learn to appreciate other people's culture um, that you wouldn't have had an opportunity to do if you hadn't lived there yeah did you yeah. see a big difference in the communities like from Bay, where you grew up in Bay Ridge and Sunset Park oh definitely yeah yeah in yeah. what ways? Well, just in terms of the demographics are different, and um, and I think uh, I think tolerance is different, and so I I think Sunset Park living in Sunset Park um, enables you to be gives you an opportunity to be more to more tolerant of of people and their differences, as opposed to say Bay Ridge, which is um, a little bit more homogeneous. I mean, not now, but but at least in the 1980s, I'd say, 70s, 80s. Did you have any memories, like specific memories of, of, of discrimination of any kind there, like from your growing up there, or is it more just a sense that you that you had of the area as being more homogenous? Well, well, when I was growing up, it, it was uh, a, a fairly homogenous. So, so I would think, um, um, you know, people, say from third world countries, would probably have a diff more difficult time, you know, coming into the into the area, um, um, and I think the beauty of Sunset Park is that anybody can walk on those streets and no one looks twice. <laughs> did your um, did your husband's search for his family history make you think about your own family history in coming to Brooklyn, or did you already know know that information? Or? Well, my my parents were immigrants from Germany, and so uh, so I've done a little research on that. Yeah. Yeah, but but then of course it means going back, you know, to German records, and and that's more difficult to access. But so your fa your parents were like first generation essentially coming, or were the were the ones who came to Brooklyn? Yes, yes. Germany. So I'm and I'm first. You're first generation. Yeah, and I'm Sorry, first yes. generation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So, so so it's I I left Brooklyn for one year. I I uh, was teaching and I um. I lived out on the island in Suffolk County and taught in Suffolk County, and uh, and I discovered that I missed the city, and and realized at that point in time that I was a city girl, and uh, and not someone uh, destined to live in the suburbs. <laughs> How did so, you find that in yourself? Like, what what was it about um, being on Long Island that was so different? Well, isolated, isolated, dependency on a car, you know. Um, uh, public transportation non-existent and uh, and it was something that I realized that you know the city offers a lot in terms of getting getting out and about and uh, 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 easily you know and and not dependent on an automobile uh, in order to do that and uh, I found that the kids that I taught uh, were um, uh, 
uh, not particularly interested in the city or going to the city or any cultural events. They were more focused on that kind of suburban mall mentality. And so that was very foreign to me. And I thought, oh, I don't think this is something that I, you know, would want to spend a lot of time, you know, in terms of investment. So, so, um, so I only lived there a year. I mean, beautiful. It's beautiful. Lived in a nice area and in a lovely town. But, but I think I'm a city girl that likes that, um, the diversity, the grittiness, you know, and, uh, and just access to museums and, and theater and all kinds of stuff, you know. Restaurants, great restaurants, and yeah, all within walking distance, or you know, being a train ride away. Do you spend most of your time in in Sunset Park neighborhood, or do you find yourself going traveling in and out of Brooklyn or around the borough? Oh yeah, I go into the, I go into Manhattan. I'm a um, volunteer at the Museum of the City of New York. I like that museum. Yeah. <laughs> so and it's a great museum. Yeah, and so it it gets me into the city and and. Um, that's a long and commute, though. It is a long commute, but it's worth it because once you're there, you know, I, I have an opportunity to talk to people who are visiting who come from all over the world and so get into conversations with them that are just kind of um, amazing and burdens you, you know, and meet people who come to the museum that come from places I've never heard of. So, <laughs> so I get to ask them questions and, you know, you get to share and you realize, um, you know, the commonality. Uh, that you have, you know, with people, even if they're not, um, you know, from your from your city or country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you've lived in Sunset Park since you bought that that uh, brownstone, right? Nineteen seventy-three. Long time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and would you ever would you ever leave Sunset Park or Brooklyn? I don't think so. I think uh, as as I'm getting older, you know, I realize that. Um, uh, the city is a great place to live for an older person because it's very stimulating and uh, has um, a lot to offer as opposed to as opposed to being outside of the city and being isolated and uh, and and uh, two of my children live you know in the city so uh, so I have family and friends nearby yeah mm-hmm. so I think I'm staying in all your time in Sunset Park, did you see it? Did you see it change at all, or did you, or did you s- compare it to your, you know, previous experiences in uh, in Bay Ridge a lot, like as you were living there, sort of figuring out the neighborhood? Well, I think I think in Sunset over the last uh, maybe 10, 15 years, the ethnicity has changed. So the uh, different groups have come in, and um, and of course, there's uh, been a movement in Sunset Park uh, for landmark designation because as new groups are coming in, you know, the housing stock is changing in terms of renovation. And and then, of course, prices, you know, the prices of uh, homes have become unaffordable for um, middle-class people, you know, which, which saddens me because, um, because my husband and I, I was a teacher and he worked for the city of New York Health and Hospital Corporation. So... So it was a home we could afford, but um, at the now, you know, it would be uh, out of our reach. You know, the, the people from that same economic background, it's totally out of the reach. So, so that's the sad part about the neighborhood, mm-hmm. all of Brooklyn, in fact. You know, be, between uh, cost of rentals and housing stock, yeah. 
Do you have any other memories or comments that you want to share with me about living in Brooklyn? No, I think I think Brooklyn's a great place to live. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for talking with me, Alice. Okay, great. <laughs>